I'm sure I've mentioned before my uh, techniques of sermon preparation. Some of my friends go into the study and they have books all around them and they stay there until it's sorted or they come back and they don't think outside of the study. I start the week by looking at the text, reading a few commentaries, getting that into my, what I call, marinating in my head. And then basically nearly everything that happens from that point until this moment has an influence in what I might say something will come to me as I'm walking into the church or uh, in a Facebook message or something on television, all kinds of things. Um, It's in the zone, I call it, not comfortable for my family sometimes, it has to be said. They say something to me and I'm in another world trying to work out, how do you get from there to there and get them out again by whatever time? Yesterday... um, Catholic uh, friend on Facebook put a a huge quote of um, Gustav Guterres, a liberation theologian, up on his status. And as I was reading it, I thought, there's something there that might just be for tomorrow's sermon. So I put it into my batch of notes that I have and I turn it around. It was this. Um, Guterres is talking about Peru and um, one particularly violent situation where um, uh, a village was basically um, torn apart by the military. And uh, he concludes his thoughts on it by saying, how do we talk of God while this, whatever this is, continues to go on? How do we reflect on the God of life in the midst of injustice and death? That caught my attention. How do we talk of God while this is going on around us? And how do we talk about God while Belfast is in the situation that it's in? Here we are in Christian Northern Ireland, Bible Belt of the United Kingdom, home of the 49 Revival. More Bible studies and prayer meetings, more Bible and prayer believing Christians in per head of population than maybe anywhere in the world. How do we talk about God while this is going on in our streets and has this fringe connection Protestant somewhere in the the long journey of this divided community lies theological division where the rest of the world has moved on from the Reformation Wars is it still going on in our streets 40 days The hopelessness of people's conversations, and the word hopeless is used a lot. 29 police officers injured last night. 100 arrests. Young people criminalised. They want to go to Australia to get a job. It's gone now. £15 million lost in business. £7 million on policing. How do we talk of God while this goes on? How does a preacher do a service well again not by uh, our plans really or contriving here we are in what George has read to us the Beatitudes there's a way to talk about God with all that's going on around us remember last week I said J.K. Chesterton describes the entire sermon but surely these Beatitudes is a poetic introduction On first reading, you feel it turns everything upside down. 
But the second time you read it, you discover it actually turns everything right side up. Daryl Johnson, whose classes I went to in Regent College, when he did a sermon on the Mount in his Beatitudes series a while back, he used the word for blessed in sync. Now, he was being as trendy as Jonathan there because at the time he was preaching the, sermon, the sermons, in sync were one of the big bands in the world. So he tried to use that kind of contrived idea. But what he used wonderfully with it was that when we're living these Beatitudes, we're in sync with God. This is God's living and we're blessed when we get ourselves attached to it. As John Stott puts it, these Beatitudes, truly, we are near heaven here. The streets of East Belfast don't seem to me to be anywhere near heaven. So how do we talk about God in this situation? The Beatitudes were near heaven here. And I did the Beatitudes when we were going through um, the Bible or the New Testament during Lent. So I didn't want to repeat that sermon, although I already have, in a couple of places. So I thought, aren't the Beatitudes a bit like the CD? And even that's old-fashioned now. But you get a CD, when we move from vinyl to CDs, those of us who are older, though I thought this week, with the weight loss and the fitness, that I'm actually going to do my 40s during my 50s, because I think my 50s are done. Um, But those of us who are older who remember moving from vinyl to CD, getting to track 10 gets tricky because you put the CD on, you listen to the first three tracks, then you have to do something, so you put the CD on later, you listen to the first four tracks, then you have to do something. So track 10, might never get to it. And so it might be in the Beatitudes with blessed are the peacemakers. So I want to kind of start with the peacemakers, work our way back, because I don't think it's contriving to say that the crib image that we're trying to keep with us as we go into later January, that from the manger to blessed are the peacemakers were through a kind of a tunnel of the other beatitudes because the other beatitudes lead us into being peacemakers let's see how that might work but it seems to me that on a day after last night in East Belfast and now only 40 minutes away from a peace gathering at the city hall where I know some of you want to go and I don't mind you going whatever stage you need to go to be there, that this sermon is just in a perfect, relevant context. And let me put it in Jesus' context. Jesus was saying these words in a similarly violent situation. I think it's John Stott that said that the best contextualization of these words that he found was in a BBC film where they had... um, uh, Jesus spoke these words immediately after Roman soldiers had come into a village strung up the men on crosses, pinned the woman to the ground, and speared the children. Into that scene, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. There were all kinds of messiahs about in Jesus' time. All kinds of subversives trying to find a peace that was overthrowing the domination that was already there through violence. Judas's final betrayal was kind of a hope that Jesus might turn round from this peacemaker that he talks about in this sermon to be in the Messiah that he thought was coming as a warrior on a horse rather than on a donkey. 
But Jesus' approach and his violent contacts with all the other messiahs that people were following, looking at a violent overthrow, (coughs) was upside down. Or maybe right side up. Stott again makes it plain that Jesus is not contradicting that part of the Bible where he, or part of his message where he said that he came to bring a sword. He was basically saying that coming to be a peacemaker at a time of violence is going to divide people. That division seen most clearly when they had a choice of Barabbas or Jesus. And the people divided. And they shouted, crucify Jesus. Why did they shout, crucify Jesus? Because God had some plan that they would be in his link to put Jesus on a cross? No, they didn't. They shouted, crucify Jesus, because he was saying in the midst of Roman violence, blessed are the peacemakers. It was offensive to people of his day that he would come up with this idea of peacemaking. And so Stott says the New Testament from beginning to end is clear. We should never seek conflict or be responsible for it. We should never seek conflict or be responsible for it. We should never seek conflict or be responsible for it. In fact, the New Testament is the opposite. 1 Corinthians 7:15, God has called us to live in peace. 1 Peter 3 verse 11, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Romans 12 and 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The word used for peace in this peacemakers is the same word that's used for peace and the work that Christ has done to reconcile us to God. The same word that's used in Colossians 1 and 20. To reconcile to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. The peacemaking that God does between us and him. The baby in the manger coming down to make peace between those that were in enmity with God as a result of what happened at the beginning of the Old Testament. That peacemaking that Jesus is about is the peacemaking that we're told will be, will be blessed if we're doing. The reign of God in Isaiah, who's very important to Matthew, is that it brings peace. Never seek conflict or be responsible for it. Of course we'll be the sons of God if we're peacemakers, because Jesus made peace and we're supposed to follow him in the Father's heart. Can I just stop there and say, whoa? Because as I was growing up within the church, we were always responsible for conflict. I don't think they're sound. I have seen them going up to Clonard and being involved in worship. Can you? That boy is wrong. I grew up in a church where our very identity within congregations and between congregations was divisive. Was making sure that we put in place the things that caused division. Heresy. Demonic. Last night, the church mouse 
It's a blog. Some of you follow it. I had no idea about it until last night. But on Twitter, the church mouse said, have never understood why Christians in Northern Ireland could be obstructions to peace rather than vehicles for peace. But they have. Have never understood why Christians in Northern Ireland could be obstructions to peace rather than vehicles for peace. But they have. When we as a denomination asked for a reconciliation worker at the start of the 90s, Trevor Morrow, who was one of the main instigators of getting that position in the youth board, he was told that reconciliation is not a biblical concept. That is the denomination that we have to put under the title of our church outside. I love that denomination. But let's call it what it is. And it's not Christian in that one aspect of, aspect of who we are. We are a joke across Presbyterianism. As some of you have said to me, if you say you're from Fitzroy, some people say, oh really? Or other people say, oh really? <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers. And it's time for the Christian church in this country to be peacemakers. Because I have to say that what's happening in East Belfast we might not be the immediate cause in our theologies, but the way we've used theology down centuries has been a huge contributing factor to why it's there. Glenn H. Stassen, whose uh, commentary on this is really great, has translated the Beatitudes this way. Joyful are those who are hum poor and humble before God, for theirs is the reign of God. Joyful are those who are deeply saddened to the point of action, for they will be comforted. Joyful are those whose wills are surrendered to God, for they will inherit the earth. Joyful are those who hunger and thirst for restorative justice, for they will be filled. Joyful are those who practice compassion in action, for they will receive God's compassion. Joyful are those who seek God's will in all that they are and do, for they will see God. Joyful are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Joyful are those who suffer because of restorative justice, for theirs is the reign of God. Joyful are you when you are criticized, persecuted, and slandered because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great for God, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. Stassen says that joyful is the word he chooses here, because in its 50 occurrence in the New Testament, it always means the joy of participation in God's action of deliverance. This word, makario, Translate it blessed, definitely not happy. Translate it blessed, definitely not happy. But for Stassen, it's joyful because when this word is translated 50 times in the New Testament, it always means the joy of participation in God's action of deliverance. We are not called to be peacekeepers. We are not called to be those who make sure that nobody fights. We are called to be peacemakers. Involved in peacemaking at every stance. They will be called the children of God. Pray, please pray. Read your Bible, please read your Bible. Come to church, please try it twice some Sundays. But you will not be called sons of God because you pray, read your Bible, or come to church twice on a Sunday. You will be called a son or a daughter of God when you're a peacemaker. Here's the thing for the peace gathering guys. 
We're very middle class. Bless us and we can't get to the shops. The people protesting don't have the money to go to the shops that we can't get to in their protest. Let's hear a cry in the midst of this violence. It should stop. It needs to stop. It should never have started. And I'm not going to tell you where the blame for that clearly is. And it's not the guys in the street today. It needs to stop. But in its 40 days, can we hear part of our community crying out for education, for purpose? The guys in the street have a purpose. If they stop tomorrow night, they have no purpose anymore. We have a purpose because we go to work. We have a purpose because we can read books. We have a purpose because we can do all these things. There's communities in our city, both in the west of the city and the east of the city, that don't have middle class purposes. Because we have let them down in all kinds of ways, including the church have let them down. And I hold my hands up. Up until now, I've not tried to reach out to that community. Sheep without a shepherd, peacemakers need to come into it. And I'm glad of the peace gathering because the middle ground, even if we're middle class, have at last made sure that we have a voice. But let's not ask people who want a Union Jack to become as progressive as us. Because they have every right to want a Union Jack. We need a community that doesn't conform to our likeness. But has that ability to blend those who want Union Jacks with those who want Irish flags. Those who don't want flags at all. And if we don't care about the flying of a flag, let's care for the people who care about that issue. Loyalists, they, we know I don't need to do a political rant that this is not any way helpful and where we're going with it, I don't know, and all kinds of other stuff. But what we need to catch out of this is that the kingdom of God, the Beatitudes of the kingdom of God, the shalom of the kingdom of God is going to be when we start caring for everyone equally in our community. And when we start being peacemakers, what does that mean for Fitzroy? It's in our DNA. There's lovely glass, cut glass things in the back foyer that tells us we've got the Vatican Peace Prize. Maybe we should aim for the... Oh, I'm only going... Oh. Maybe we should aim for the other wall, the UVF Peace Prize. Should we? Should we be the ones that get involved in these communities and start to love them and care for them and engage with them and cross boundaries? Is that what we're being called to? I don't know. But one thing I do know is that this is not some luxury that we add on to our faith. That we need all to be peacemakers. We need all to get involved in that process at some level and we need to hear where God might be telling us to. You might only go to a Four Corners Festival event. You might go to the Christy Myrrh or on Saturday week you might go to our prayer gathering which is going to have prayers in the four corners of the city, southwest, east and north and then meet in the Titanic Quarter to pray for our city. You might go to that. That might be a way that you can contribute. You might go to the United Service next Sunday night in South Belfast Methodist and 
uh, the one that replaces our service here, or you might get involved in the Clonard Fitzroy group, or you might be already involved in community, or you might pray for something. But we need to follow this baby. Follow the words of the Beatitudes. How do we talk of God in this situation? We talk of God the way these Beatitudes talk to us. Today, God needs us to be humble and poor before him. He needs us to be deeply saddened to the point of action. He needs our will surrendered to the will of God. What would he want for East Belfast? He needs our wills to be hungering and thirst for restorative justice, to be compassionate in action, to be peacemakers. In the cry from our city today, don't make it a hopeless cry. Make it a beginning, starting cry to start to fix what's wrong. Let's, with the Beatitudes, follow Jesus into some peacemaking in the streets around us. Let's pray. Our God, we've already prayed for our city. We go on doing it, but into those prayers we bring this challenge of your word to be peacemakers, to be poor and humble before you, to surrender to your will, to be passionate about restorative justice. Not peacekeepers, not those who don't cause conflict, just those who say, right, we do need peace in this country. Where does that begin? Where can we get involved? Who can we reach out to? What friendship do we need to make? Who do we need to speak to? How do we show an upside down or right side up way forward. I pray you'd speak to us as a congregation. I pray you'd speak to us as individuals. Help us to make our contributions wherever we can. In Jesus' name, amen.